Good morning, afternoon, or evening. Please delete as appropriate. Hello there, and welcome to this episode number 418 of the Material Podcast. I am Andy Anatko. Florence Ion is still on medical leave. Now, uh, I want to set you up before we go any further here. You might hear some air conditioning noises uh, during the during the recording of this show. Uh, I make no apologies for any of this. I'm 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 delighted to be arrogant. <laughs> This is the, oh my goodness, friends, listeners, this is the first time in my life I've I've lived in a place with central air conditioning. I think I mentioned uh, a while back that we, uh, the, the, like the hundred year old, like gas heater (laughs) uh, and no air conditioning got upgraded several months ago to uh, to one of those mini splits. Uh, So this big, big, huge, huge, like (laughs) two ballrooms that I live in now has like air conditioning in both of those ballrooms. So basically the the bedroom, the office, the living room, the kitchen, the den, yes, all like segregated into all these uh, these two separate rooms. And so I, I, I have to admit that I was doing this new, very New England sort of thing, or maybe it's just like my dad sort of thing, which is just because we got the air conditioning doesn't mean we have to keep it on all the time. It's there for, it's there for when things become so insufferable that we can – <laughs> that we can barely feed ourselves. We're just so annoyed with life. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm conjecturing. That's what he would say. Uh, we never had air conditioning, not even like one of those little like window air conditioners ever. So uh, I've, in my previous place, I had one like window air conditioner in the bedroom. And that really was just for kind of emergencies. I remember like doing a, doing a podcast in like 90 degree weather, humid, horrible. And of course I can, I can't even have a fan on because of the microphones because I, I was, I, I was putting on airs, so to speak. Okay. I, I had notions, so to speak. And so after like two hours in this sauna, I would run upstairs, <laughs> plunge into the bed, grab the remote and just put it on Arctic max. So I'm not, I'm not used to this. I, I turned it on uh, in the house for the first time, the air conditioning, just uh, two nights ago because it just was really, really humid. I didn't really care about the heat. I just wanted to not be damp. I didn't want the Scottish sort of uh, effect that I was getting, the swampy, you know, Heathcliff wandering across the moors. Very romantic uh, in novels. It's great, really great visual when it's one thirty in the morning and you're really trying to find excuses to not hate the entire world. Humidity is, is a barrier to that. And, uh, yeah. And uh, I had, and so I turned it on and the humidity outside has, has already gone back to a tolerable level, but the air conditioning is still on because I am not sure I want to go back. See, uh, yeah, see it's every, every time I think it's, uh, See, it's bad because it's not just comfort. Now, I, it would be kind of okay if all I were saying is, you know what, Andy, you deserve basic comfort. And if you're more comfortable with the with the, like steady air conditioning, and you can afford the extra like electricity costs, hey, why not treat yourself? This is like maybe I don't know, four dollars a month, whatever. Treat yourself. But it's also kind of encouraging me not to leave the house at all. Uh, I, I feel like I'm having like a boy in the plastic bubble sort of experience. Uh, and I, 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 I hate, I'm sorry to give give you another one of these explanations that requires you to know exactly how weird the layout of my house, of my apartment is. Again, it was like a, it's a, I live in a 120 year old building. This 
it was never intended where I live was never intended to be an apartment. That's why it's so cool and so funky. So essentially the air conditioned area are those two big, huge ballrooms. And then like to get to my front door, I have to open a, I have to, I have to pass through a door into sort of a hallway, sort of almost like an airlock that has like my bathroom and like the closet that got converted into, into a laundry. And so every time I, so every time like I'm doing laundry or, you know, brushing my teeth or whatever, I open the door from (laughs) into this, into this area that is not being air conditioned and it's not, it's perfectly fine. I've, I, I would have spent five years like making this transition and thinking nothing of it, but now it's just like five degrees warmer and a little bit more humid. And I don't want to be in that space. I'm aware that I could just open that door behind me again, take four steps back and be five degrees cooler and little, a tiny bit less damp. And I have no encouragement to believe that the outside isn't cooler than that. And it's, it's probably kind of bad. Anyway, so uh, I'm, I'm sort of negotiating with myself about how I'm going to integrate with this. For now, I'm going to say that I think I think that you and I have this sort of intimate sort of relationship. Certainly, after a month of doing solos, uh, I, I think that I think that there's a greater intimacy, greater honesty. I think I think that like uh, just like just as the part in the relationship where you know what I'm 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 going to I'm, I'm I'm going to give you that kiss in the morning, even though I know that I have morning breath because I haven't I haven't showered or shaved or brushed my teeth yet. Warts and all, you get to you, know, you get to see all that sort of stuff. You also get to hear. Oh, can you hear it now? Yeah, there's that that little tiny because I think it's it's turning on. Uh, yeah, see the the uh, fortunately the dad part of my vo- uh, of my personality that uh, that you know the the voice of my dad that I mentioned earlier. It is still active. It's not saying turn off the air conditioner. Uh, it is saying, you know what? You should you know, we should get out the ladder and just uh, put on the tool belt. And you know, there's there's got to be uh, you got to there's got to be something vibrating there that if you just put some foam strip or something like that, do something just to tone that. There's some, that's that's going to turn into if you if you don't stick up that if you don't hammer down that nail, it's gonna it's gonna cause problems. So fortunately, I'll I will take that. Uh, but yes, I hope that you will be okay with that little buzz. Now, I want to give you a little bit of a follow-up on something I mentioned last week that I was uh, giving up on the on the digital sort of uh, uh, sleep uh, uh, sleep uh, uh, trackers that I was using. I have that I have the uh, uh, the radar-based sleep tracker on my Nest Home display on the nightstand of the bed. I have the brand new SPO2 sensor and the other software that's on the Pixel Watch that I've been trying to get to work. None of this is working. It's always been telling me that, oh, you've got a hearty 45 minutes worth of sleep. You're <laughs> That means you've gotten four hours worth of sleep for the entire month. How the hell are you alive, Andy Anatko? <laughs> We're going to start sending ads to you based on the idea that you're probably not going to be with us much, much longer, or you're going to be uh, your your mental processes are going to be so compromised that perhaps you'll actually think of buying some of the stuff that these advertisers reserve for the really sleep deprived and the and the total saps. Uh, so I I said that I was going to be uh, trying Sleep as Android that that uh, sl- that sleep slash alarm app uh, for Android again. I've, I'm really liking it. Uh, it's working really really well. I haven't used it for 
a few years and I, I'd have to go back to whatever notes I might have taken when I did my first flight with it. But uh, it's much more comprehensive. I think it's a lot easier to use. Uh, it's I'm, it's just working really, really well for me, not the least of which because it's just a really good alarm system. Um, it has that really cool features where uh, you, <laughs> for one, it tries it tries to guess when you're when you're you're about your your natural circadian rhythms that you're kind of surfacing already and that's when it'll sort of nudge you to maybe try to get you to stay on the surface as opposed to going for another dive of sleep so that's why you you, you set the alarm for like eight and so it might wake you up as early as seven thirty or whatever it also has that really cool feature that uh, instead of just going beep, 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 or playing a piece of music, it will give you like a captcha that you have to solve or a math problem or something like that. That's, I love that because I actually built that for myself years and years and years ago. I used on my, when my MacBook was called a power book. And so I it would, it would, I just wrote a simple piece of code that would just uh, generate a random number uh, up to something like uh, 40 or 50, I forget what it was, it would calculate the square of that and then display that on the screen. And then I had to type in the square root of it from from memory or, calcu- or calculation before it would turn off. Unfortunately, I, I gave myself points for cleverness. It did work for a while, but then I realized that, that before, uh, before I'm fully awake, all I the I don't necessarily I, I can figure out that I don't necessarily need to solve the math problem. I just need to solve the problem of this machine or device that's making noise that's preventing me from going back to sleep. I felt as though this feature was a threat to this expensive laptop that I couldn't afford to replace. So uh, I, I I wrote it off as a really good programming project, but maybe not a good thing for the health of my PowerBook. But this one, the Sleep is Android, has a bunch of different options there that I really really like. I really wish it had I, – I, I should probably send this in as a request or as a suggestion. One thing that really – that one solution that I found really works for me is to sort of um, have an automatic snooze feature, if that makes any sense. So like uh, this morning, uh, my usual uh, production schedule is that I'll write this show uh, Wednesday night and I'll get up early on Thursday and uh, and record it in the morning after when my when theoretically uh, my my head is fresh, uh, but that's any time that I have to get up at a time of day with only one digit in it. That's that's like farmer's hours to me. So I, I've had my alarm set for like seven thirty, but it means that uh, every time that I set the alarm, uh, there's a time where I'd like to get up, which is well, seven thirty or eight, and then there's the time which look no kidding I have to be like ambulatory showered really dressed, ready to go by, let's say, 8.39. So I will set the alarm for maybe 7, and then you'll, you'd actually see this if you looked at the uh, the clock app on my, the, the, the Google clock, the standard clock app on my phone. I have <laughs> literally preset alarms for every 15 minutes from like 6 a.m. until 2 p.m. And I will, so I will always like set like a, uh, six alarms six I'll, I'll activate six of those alarms around the time where i really want to get up because yeah the first uh, the every t- every time that i uh if every time that i turn off the alarm and go back to sleep i may uh, it's, it's easier for me to actually turn it off completely than to tap the snooze button I, again i don't have that level of cognitive function <laughs> after after like only three four five six hours of sleep 
so it's i just have a second alarm that simply gets gets me up like on its own at some point i've been awoke i've been awoken so many times that it's it's actually going to take so i would love to have sleep as android do something like that too where you can simply say hey i want to i i, I want to uh uh i want to be uh, completely awake by 8 30 uh, so set the alarm for 7 30 and alarms uh, and basically keep repeating this alarm for 20 minutes until like i finally like <laughs> drop the drop the phone in the bucket of water that i'm keeping next to the bed for some reason um, now i haven't talked though about one of the selling points of a sleep tracking app like sleep is android which is hey i want to make sure that i'm tracking how much sleep i'm actually getting and what's the quality of that sleep and what am i doing right what am i doing wrong spotting bad trends and heading them off it's giving me lots of numbers so if this is a very big improvement over everything else that i've been trying before including the stuff that uh, you know, Project Sola <laughs> on the on the Nest Homes like sophisticated radar that tracks me in bed. It's it, again, it's it's acknowledging that I'm sleeping more than 42 minutes every night, so that's good. Uh, so I'm getting lots of numbers. Um, I'm going to be happy with that. I don't think it's that important that I don't know what many of them or most of them really mean. Like even the time that seems to be the most direct thing. Hey, you slept. Actually, I'm gonna give you the i'm gonna read my read my score for you right now patience with me there you go uh, like this app how about later thank you very much okay so i've got the 53 percent score uh 25 oh wait no that was from there you go so four hours 58 minutes duration deep sleep 26 percent i don't know is that good i don't know 99 percent efficiency don't even know what that means. Uh, and then you can give yourself a star rating for it. And overall, it says 87%. Don't know what any of those means. Duration, I'm not even sure like what it's giving me credit for. I'm pretty sure that doesn't mean that it's, it's just tracking, hey, when did you tap the button to say start sleep tracking? And when did you actually wake up? But hey, numbers are nice. They're fun. They fill the screen very, very nicely. They they give value for money. And I'm not even gonna. I'm not even talking about all these graphs. Holy cats! Look at these. Look at these uh, graphs, charts, and stuff. There you go. Here's a, a wavy blue line that's filled in, and a slightly less wavy red line with dots on it. With again, I couldn't. I couldn't tell you what any of those things mean i got an active actigraph i've got a hypnogram a hypnogram let's let's enjoy that word together everybody it's a hypnogram uh but yeah it's okay that's that's nice it's i, I i'm i think that uh, i do think that anytime even on the screen that i'm looking at right now with my notes on it any part of any screen that i've paid for that isn't filled with something that's interesting i think that's a waste of my money and a waste of my attention so i i'm very much in favor of like a tiled interface that says oh well you can only see partial parts of these other windows behind this notes window let's just have random system stats or even just random text just to make him think that he's a busy important executive who's you know got stocks and bonds and people's retirement income is based on your split second decisions and stuff like that um which is not to denigrate what this app does. Uh, in, in all seriousness, sometimes it's these simple things that are big, big helps. I think I'm realizing that one of the things that this app is helping me for 
is is the fact that it's not automatic. Uh, some of these, uh, like the watch apps you have for Apple Watch and for Android Wear or your fitness band, some of these devices that are on your bedside, they promise, oh, no, you don't have to do anything. It'll just automatically track you. And what I'm enjoying about this is that it doesn't do that. Or if it does, I haven't enabled it. There's a button that just says start sleep tracking. And so, A, it's a really good interface because I know that it is now it's now going to start track. It's now expecting that I'm trying to go to sleep right now. It's not being fooled by like the hour and a half that I spent reading or, as often happens, the two hours or three hours I spent in bed <laughs> because I'm on the Internet Archive doing that deep, deep. Have you ever done that deep, deep, deep dive through the film archives to find the really good stuff? Like if you just do the sort by uh, sort by like uh, popular downloads, you will find uh, really popular, like hundred year old public domain movies, like uh, uh, like the general, like Charlie Chaplin movies, and like really, really, really like <laughs> a, a, a couple of like nudie stripper sort of videos that you're really not interested in. Uh, but if you but if you like diligently like start doing searches and then follow through who posted that and where did, where are their, what are their favorites? Like you'll find this, like this, like you'll break through this false wall and that's where you'll find like the safe that has all the valuables in it. And now you're like, well, I'm not going to find my way here again. I'd better just, <laughs> I'd better download this stuff. Uh, like, and I'm talking about like t- my, my, my idea of gold is not, uh, not like the Hobbit movies or the Lord of the Rings movies. I mean, I can buy those that stuff. That's that's easy. I'm talking about uh, like an Andy Kaufman comedy special that aired once on like NBC in 1980. That is like you find that you're like I'd better clear this space out <laughs> in case I don't find it again. That's the, those those are the sort of rat holes I get into that keep me in bed not sleeping for two or three hours. But uh, so, which is why having this button, it's it's a very very it's a very, very good practice because after using this for just a week, my brain sort of gets trained into, Hey, I'm actually, I'm, I'm putting this, I'm putting the phone next to the pillow. I'm launching this app and I'm tapping this button. I am definitely trying to go to sleep now. It's not just, Oh, well, gosh, maybe I'll just like put the laptop to the one side and turn off the light and see what happens. It's, it's part of this whole pageant that happens where, turn off all the lights, turn off the bedside light. That's not on the, not on the, uh, the home network. Uh, take uh, all the stuff that simple stuff that leads to good sleep hygiene, such as let's not have a laptop, <laughs> a laptop, the camera that I was dumping photos from, uh, a, <laughs> Oh God, a bowl, a little bowl that had animal crack, all the stuff that's in the bed with me. Let's get that out of the bed. All this stuff that's, leads you to all the stuff you do in preparation that leads you to get, get a really good night's sleep. And now again, there's sort of a, a, a formality and a ceremony to it that wasn't there before that kind of helps me go through that list and tr- get me to get the best sleep I can possibly get. So definitely a, a, a overall win. Also, I will say I may not understand what these graphs and these numbers mean, but maybe I got to hope there's a placebo effect maybe going on, you know, that will like, uh, like the fact that I've got numbers and charts that make me feel as though, boy, my sleep software and my brain was really doing lots of stuff last night. 
it 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 was noticed. It was tracked that I was doing sleep stuff last night. I'm I bet that I'm really full of energy. And look, that number is six point eight, close to seven hours. That's a substantial number of hours of sleep. That's wonderful. I'm I feel twice as refreshed already. Maybe there's a placebo effect here where it just helps convince me that I got better sleep than I actually did. And now it's got me thinking that if that's if that's true, maybe this should be tried with like all fitness apps. Like if Google Fit or or if Apple Health, if it just keeps presenting me with badges every few days, every few weeks or months, awarding me for completing like my regular heart fitness goals, no matter what I do, like maybe that will bamboozle my heart and circulatory system into just, you know, being a good soldier, you know, being a good sport about the arterial blockages and just continuing to, you know, pump blood efficiency uh, efficiently. Uh, I have no data to back this up. Well, actually, I, I I can create data to back this up. And if the placebo effect works on the uh, the oversight committee for, the, for publishing medical papers, I should be in Nobel land in any day now. Let's get right on to the show. Uh, we've got a good show today. Um, we find that like just like the departures board at Spirit, at any Spirit Airlines boarding gate, this just wouldn't be a Google podcast without information about cancellations. Also, Google Fold, uh, excuse me, Pixel Fold reviews are in, and it seems like a perfect phone, except for the stuff related to folding. And there's a couple of things to say about VidCon, which took place last week. That's the uh, started off as the uh, fan expo for video content creator stars. It's uh, <clears throat> pardon me, and it's uh, 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 hosted by excuse me, hosted sponsored by YouTube. Um, and only one of those things I'd like to talk about has to do with the fact that this whole topic makes me feel really, 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 really old. Like I'm talking like as if I've just drunk from one of the false grails in Indiana Jones, and the last crusade or something like that. I'll talk about all that after this break. Well, I've got news for everybody who is really, really excited about project Iris, which was showed off at Google IO a couple of years ago. I'm sure you've been on tenterhooks wondering when it's going to be announced, uh, how much it's going to cost, what its features are going to be. Well, wonder no more. It's none of that is happening. They've, they've canceled it. It's according to an article for, uh, that hit from business insider. It's geschwink though. It's gone the way <laughs> of most hopes, dreams and Google projects go cancellation uh, without a whole lot to show for it. And if you're also wondering, what was what was Project Iris? This was that really nice demo from Google I.O. a couple of years ago where uh, a pair of smart glasses that uh, was pre- is pretty much just like regular, lightweight, clear Buddy Holly, even not even quite Buddy Holly style glasses that had an embedded uh, smart display. And uh, they demonstrated it by showing instantaneous uh, translation of uh, of of English to whatever language that the wearer was uh, was natively speaking, a, a wonderful heart heart tugging sort of demo of hey, it's my grandfather. He doesn't speak English. I don't speak Spanish very well or Portuguese very well, but we can have a conversation. He can read captions as we go. Oh, it's wonderful. These actually work, and was was very cool because it didn't seem to be a fake demo, uh, unlike uh, the demo of. Uh, of Apple's Vision Pro, these were supposedly like real people who are really trying this real actual thing, uh, and so yeah, it was called Project Iris, and but you know <laughs> now you can forget that because again, it's not being created anymore. And I was uh, all all night long when I was writing today's show. I was flip flopping between I can't even joke about Apple uh, about Google canceling these things anymore. 
but then I realized that I actually can because it occurred to me that maybe Google should pivot into the dairy industry. Like if they were if they if they were running a dairy, the the nature of the business would help them develop like better discipline about these things. You know, like because if they're producing like milk, ice cream, soft cheeses such as a Fontina or mozzarella or brie or camembert, the sort of stuff where you've got to finish and ship the product ASAP, and then you got to keep turning it over and over and over again that would help them to develop the idea of, Hey, we're going to make this envision this product. We're going to develop this product. We're going to finish this product. We're going to ship this product because otherwise you got lots of rotten, <laughs> rotten milk and, and blow flies and that sort of stuff. Uh, they could probably do a good Gruyere, uh, but hard cheeses, I, I would not trust them as a dairy with hard cheeses, like the Parmesan's, the Darba's, uh, Gouda, Manchego, Cheddar's, uh, most popular cheese in the world. Uh, that would give them, oh, you know what? We've announced this wonderful new like dra- like Scottish dragon cheddar. And but that gives that gives you enough time like in curing the cheese and not knowing exactly when and you, if, it, if it molds over, that's actually kind of good. If it blooms, you can just scrape it off and then cut it up and ship it. No, 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 no. It's going to stink up the place. It's going to attract vermin. You got to ship it. Uh, well, it's really disappointing. I found it especially disappointing because I really thought that iris or a product like it is really very interesting and it's all the really great demos are the the most uh, uh, every, every vr demo is a dog and pony show but the doggiest and poniest of them all are the ones that are completely immersive vr like the vision pro uh like the uh, uh like the oculus uh, uh the oculus pro headsets it's uh you know, it's it's uh, I uh, I uh, um, I talked about uh, the Vision Pro last week on NPR in Boston, and uh, the other the other hosts gave fed me the fed me a question that was just perfect, which is a natural question. So what 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 would I use the Vision Pro for? And I could just smile and say, <laughs> like I I don't I don't know what this would be used for. So congratulations, you now know as more about as much about VR as any product manager at Apple or Microsoft. <laughs> Or, or Meta or anybody else. So what what I liked about Project Iris is that it's kind of like the opposite of Vision Pro. And by that, I don't mean, oh, it's really good, whereas the Vision Pro is really bad. I think that uh, any attempt to do uh, virtual reality, uh, extended, extended reality, augmented reality, it's not going to be complete. There's no way to do it in a very satisfying way with the technology we have right now. Uh, Apple is doing it in the way that most others are doing it, which is there's no way we can make this small enough light, small enough, light enough that people will want to wear this all day long. There is no way that we can make this uh, uh, compact enough that you would want to wear it anywhere where it would be most useful to you. We're not going to try to solve that problem right now. We're going to make a VR set that can do absolutely everything. And we'll make that into a playground of figuring out like what the software should be so that in a time and sometime in the future, when we can make displays that are nice and tiny and compact, we will have all that groundwork laid. What I liked about Project Iris was that it's the yin to that to that yang, which is, hey, we can't uh, uh, we're going to we're going to focus on making something. That's we're, we're gonna the problem that we're gonna solve is not hey this should, this uh, should be able to do fully immersive VR it should do everything we're gonna solve the problem of 
this has to be a simple, lightweight, easy to wear, easy to integrate into your life pair of eye- normal looking eyeglasses. And although this means it won't be able to do very much at the start, we will work up from that from that base of the pyramid and and develop from there. And maybe five years from now, when we have the display technology, we can build uh, a pair of eyeglasses that look exactly like this, just as light, just as simple, that can do much, much more than simply display a couple of lines of monochrome text and simple, like, uh, blinky lights uh, in, in your field of vision. I And I have to say that as someone who used uh, uh, Google Glass for a long for a long time and really enjoyed it, I'm really set for that. Um, I can't f- think of any way that I would use fully immersive VR apart from gaming and apart from watching movies. Whereas I can absolutely see uh, using a, a pair of glasses like Project Iris, kind of really just the way that I was using uh, Google Glass. I thought it was a brilliant design. Because it really was just a visual interface for the Google Assistant to accompany the audio interface, you know, so it could show me things as well as speak things into my ear. Uh, so the idea of simply having this little ex- and by by definition, it's not going to overwhelm you with too much uh, too much information. It's just going to be, I'm just taking my walk and at the point which I need to take that left onto the street, it will say, "Hey, take a left on on, on Newbury Street. You're 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 almost there. Here is here is where follow the arrow as as I'm drawing it on the screen." Or uh, the more I mean, the more I think about this sort of uh, setup, that I can and uh, let's get a four hundred dollar pair of glasses, but it will mostly be controlled through your smartphone, so that if I want to add in. Uh, a single earbud from my Pixel Buds or whatever earbud that I have to, so I can actually speak to the Google Assistant and hear things from it. Uh, or even also if at, at some point add on uh, add on a little tiny, tiny, tiny little like video camera that I've got clipped to my, uh, clipped to my shirt. Uh, like uh, this, as, as we speak this week, you've probably seen it, uh, the Insta360 Go 3 camera. Uh, a whole bunch of people, uh, you know, as things happen on YouTube, like we're under embargo for it. And then, of course, everybody has drops their review on the same day. So for for an entire morning, an entire Tuesday morning, that's all you can see on YouTube is people say, hey, guys, you'll never believe that I shot this with blah, blah, blah. Uh, I, it's the this particular one is pretty interesting because it does seem to be geared towards uh, just being a wearable, a simple wearable camera. And I know that you can put an action cam like on a on a chest strap or you know, <laughs> or, or, or on a headband, but this was it seemed like a, it, about the size the the camera part of it is about the size of like the cap to a sharpie pen, and they have a simple little mounting thing where you wear this like this little uh, round metal medallion <laughs> on a string underneath your shirt, and the camera can actually just magnetize to that like through the, the shirt that you're wearing. So as a result, now the cam, the, the phone that's in your pocket can have some sight of what you're actually looking at, what's actually in front of you right now. So that's the sort of stuff I'm looking for. I'm, I'm looking for the kind of help where uh, if I'm getting navigation directions, the camera, the, the Google maps can actually see like what I, what I'm looking at right now and tell me not just, Oh, we'll take a right onto Newbury street in, in 10 yards, but uh, take a take a right uh, at that street where you see that orange billboard, you know, 
or <laughs> this per- this person's name is Gordon. <laughs> he last spoke to him two years ago. <laughs> do not ask him. Do not ask him about the hair hair transplant. It did not go well. <laughs> he should he should not have gotten a hair transplant for his show poodle. That's the first thing the judges check. Has the poodle had artificial hair, <laughs> poofy poofy white hair implants? Now he's a now he's a laughing stock. So don't mention the poodle hair implants. That's a, again. I don't need. Uh, I don't need to like play with a dinosaur. I need this little bit. I, I need. I don't need a fully immersive and fully intrusive uh, uh, VR AR experience. I just need a little bit of help sometimes. And it just seems like this this idea of a system where all I'm doing is I'm buying a pair of I'm buying a pair of glasses that have a tiny little embedded display, an embedded display that actually can be used outside, not just inside in indoor uh, indoor uh, lighting. I think that's a really good idea. That would that would really get me interested and it would be useful today, not just, Oh, well, hopefully in five years from now, <laughs> after developers have looked at this for two or three years, they will find a reason for Apple or meta or anybody to have developed this really, really expensive piece of hardware. And maybe eventually it'll be $2,000 instead of $3,500. In which case you will note that now it's only a thousand dollars more than you can possibly afford, you know, that sort of stuff. Uh, but again, Google, see, even this probably would have happened even before, as Sundar Pichai always keeps repeating, the, this unprecedented international macroeconomic headwind situation, they, they just have a hard time keeping focused on stuff. Hopefully, this will be like Google Glass, uh, in which all of the development that they did for Iris will inform them on how to do this kind of interface for a future product or a different product. Uh, we forget that the the cards interface that we've seen we've seen in Material and pretty much everywhere else got its start with Google Glass, and the assistant got a whole bunch of development with Google Glass. And of course, they learned a lot about what not to do in trying to in, uh, create a wearable that people are going to be wearing all the everywhere all the time. Such as it's okay to look a little bit goofy, but God's sake, do not put a camera on it. <laughs> You will you will make people into even bigger outcasts than they were with before they uh, before they became uh, Google Glass explorers, and uh, so they they this Business Insider article says that uh, details 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 surprise surprise inside quote insiders say Google leaders kept changing the strategy for Iris, which led to the team continually pivoting direction, frustrating many employees. Surprise surprise surprise. Um, also uh, reminding us that. Uh, the reason why Google was able to show off such a finished-looking product, even though it was just an experiment, was that they bought uh, a company called North, a Canadian startup that was making these these AR glasses. Uh, this was like the first AR glasses where they had seemed to have gotten uh, marketing participation with uh, optometrists, so that you can you could conceivably go into go into wherever you got your eyes checked. And and not and not in the, the the big big lines and lines and lines of similar looking eyeglass frames, but in the glass case, maybe you could find this five hundred dollar pair of uh, of uh, of North glasses, and you think, oh, well, you can fit those with my prescription, yeah. And what does it do? Oh, well, it catches your phone. There's an app. It'll send you. It'll be sort of like a your smartwatch notifications. Only it's inside your in, inside your head. Hey, that's cool. No surgery. No surgery. Just. Lots of just it'll just cost three times as much as any normal pair of eyeglasses. But hey, you look like someone who who will who will tra- who will trade money for adventure. Go ahead. Ugh. 
So they, uh, so apparently, according to Business Insider, they are Google is f- switching its focus in this kind of thing to something that's codenamed Betty. Betty, uh, and the goal is to be something like the like the Android of augmented reality for third party hardware. Uh, you'll remember that they did announce in wow very quick passing that they were teaming up with Samsung. I think that they made this announcement during their a during their AI event middle of last year might've been during the October event. I don't know. But again, it was like two lines where they mentioned, Oh, we're doing, and we're also, we're teaming up with Samsung to create our own VR slash augmented reality solution. And this was, this is going to be more like those conventional ski, ski goggles sort of things. And so now the focus of their development in augmented reality is to do with this hardware, what they did with Android for phones, which kind of makes sense to let's create the uh, let, let's uh, let's create a free free with numerous strings attached operating system instead of APIs so that Samsung Meta whoever can simply develop the hardware and then put our operating our operating system on it uh, and in context that does make sense uh, because Iris doesn't sound like it would have been a surface for ads or a vector for collecting or observing more data about Google users, both of which, uh, both both of which make money directly or indirectly for Google. Whereas, if uh, Google can create the operating system and the APIs that are in every popular pair of uh, augmented reality XR whatever VR goggles, uh, and these things do become a thing in five years, suddenly it's as important as the phone is as a vector for, hey, here's a, here's a way that we can track people, collect more information about them, target more relevant ads to them, and here's a surface upon which we can display ads and we can surface uh, Google Shopping and other things like that. So it so it does make sense. Um, although I do wonder if, if this plan is really achievable because remember that smartphones, they're such a simple commodity. Yes, you can have... $1,800 folding phones that actually can actually attach to a, a monitor and become a desktop. But you, you can also get a very decent $80 phone, you know, a, a commodity phone that's so simple that and so inexpensive to produce that the United States government will, will buy them for, and give them away to people who are in financial need and need a way to access services. Uh, augmented reality and VR, they're not there yet. The reason why the Vision Pro from Apple works so well is that they are developing this entire thing as a package. They are building upon their Apple's user interface APIs. They are uh, uh, they are building all the CPUs for this. So it's, it really is a desktop class CPU built into this. All the power management of OS X onward and onward and onward. Is this really something that you can just bolt on to... Uh, another pair of hard, another set of hardware that uh, that wasn't developed alongside this Android based. Actually, I'm sorry, the, the article didn't necessarily say this was an Android based uh, uh, augmented reality VR operating system. Um, but I, the, but my point still stands. It seems as though the winners in this game are going to be going to be people like Apple who can develop everything from start to finish. Although the success of the platform of this as a category is going to depend on lots of competition that will be able to drive the prices down and create a good pair of $200, $300 virtual reality goggles. So oy, we'll still figure, th- figure things out. It has gotten me interested in these simple sort of smart displays. Who knows? Uh, sometime in the next six months, if I find a pair 
uh, that does simple stuff, I might actually buy one just to have one and start start playing around with them. Uh, I do think that you start with lightweight and practical. You give you 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 create something that people are going to want to wear, whether they intend to use it or not. And that's when uh, just just like the uh, the brilliance of the smartphone camera is that it's there whether you plan to take a camera take pictures of someplace or not. Uh, and it doesn't matter that it doesn't take the greatest pictures in the world. It's there uh, to be used. And I think that's, that's going to be what really cracks things. So it's not going to be uh, – it's Apple's going to have – Apple and uh, Microsoft are going to have to really, really get on their bikes to get that price way, 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 way down. Let's talk about an, uh, another product, <laughs> Google Search, <laughs> which uh, although not being terribly flashy, uh, doesn't really get you uh, get you interviewed on CBS This Morning. It's still, it's still the gravy boat for Google, and uh, we have some more news thanks to uh, CNBC. Uh, CNBC got audio of one of Google's regular, like all employees, all hands-on town meetings that held earlier this month. And this is you. Know, this is the the meeting where uh, it's streamed to Google worldwide. Everybody gets to see it. Everybody conceivably gets to submit questions to Sundar Pichai and the rest of like the senior executive team, not by you know raising their hands, but by through their uh, internal social social media message boards of asking questions. And they, if the the questions that get upvoted like hell, uh, tend to bubble to the surface and tend to actually be asked. Uh, and of course, there were a couple of questions uh, about Google Search. There was a uh, one specific question that the CNBC transcript uh, uh, highlighted. I'm quoting the employee's question here. What can we do to improve the user experience on the core product that made Google a household name? So again, people uh, people who are being paid by Google, people who have their kids' educations and and appetites being fed by uh, their their work at Google, want to know: Hey, are you are you just continuing to navigate down dead ends, or, or do you realize that this is the machine that prints us money? We should continue to do it. And they did have uh, they did have a lot of interesting things to say. Again, through the CNBC uh, piece, um, for instance, they were talking about the new perspectives tab. This was the feature that was talked about during Google I/O a couple months ago, where they're enhancing Google search results not with artificial intelligence, but with a new uh, a, a new layer, a new excuse me, a new strip of uh, results that are pulling results specifically from social media. And ideally, with uh, curated, uh, high-value people who are speaking on social media. So this is where you'll get information on breaking news from people who are talking about it on Twitter or discussion about a product or something uh, through Reddit. Uh, and that started rolling out on Monday. I noticed I, yeah, I noticed it a couple of days ago. Um, it's pretty co- <laughs> it's pretty cool. It's, it's, it seems a little bit like <laughs> it seems a little bit like like junior high gossip. It's like, oh, well, well, uh, but, but, but gosh, like if they don't get to the, the, if, how, what are the chances that people survived on this sub after, after whatever disaster came in? Like, oh my God, you won't believe what Scott said, uh, on, on, on TikTok. I'll let you read it. I'm not going to even say, talk about it. Uh, but it, it, but it is helpful. It's another perspective. This is, this is what, uh, Google search does really, really well, where it's not trying to analyze things for me. It's just trying to find links to articles that might be relevant and then i can choose uh to create a stew of uh, of different sources that have the information that i want the diff- the difficulty is that uh a lot of users just aren't happy 
And if you don't believe me and don't believe your own experience, uh, believe uh, Google's uh, czar of search, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Prabhagar Raghavan, who said, uh, uh, many quote, many of you wonder how we have a search team that's iterating and building all this new stuff, and yet somehow users are still not quite happy. We need to make users happy. And that was in response to a different or a similar employee question about user frustration with uh, Google searches that result in way too many ads and too many irrelevant search results. So they are very, very much uh, on there. They very much seem to understand that that is that is a problem that is being perceived that is people are actually experiencing. And they also uh, mentioned the Reddit blackout that uh, we talked about a little bit last week about how uh, the fact that Reddit is uh, Reddit was in blackout last week meant that a lot of the best search results, the most informative and useful search results to search queries now were leading to Reddit discussion forums that were uh, switched to private during the middle of this protest against uh, Reddit CEO's uh, new policies. And so uh, uh, so Sundar Pichai, I'm quoting the article here, Sundar Pichai chimed in to say that users don't want, quote, blue links, unquote, as much as they want, quote, more comprehensive answers, unquote. That's why they add the name of forum sites like Reddit to their searches, he said. H.J. Uh, Kim, Vice President of Engineering in Search, said in, at the meeting that users have been asking for more content from sites like Reddit. He said the Perspectives tabs is one feature the company has been working on in response, but that it can do a better job. But the idea there is for these questions where there are multiple opinions, instead of appending stuff, you actually go in there and get the answer right away. And we're actually seeing good early engagement on that, Ragavan said. And it was also good to hear that they said they're saying that all this artificial intelligence stuff they're doing with the enhanced search, that's cool, but it's not the sole answer. And once again, going back to perspectives, that's the sort of answers that they're trying to look for. Yeah, it's it's like we discussed last week that oof, Google has, uh, if, if Google search results aren't consistently a better experience than DuckDuckGo, which costs you far, far less in, in, in privacy or any other competing smart uh, search engine. That's like a lit fuse at some point <laughs> that, that fuse is going to reach the, reach the, the, the detonation of, of Google's cash cow. So they do have to keep uh, improving the algorithm, improving the quality of the results they, they create, but also creating things like perspectives and creating things like those info bars so that whatever reason I t- for whatever reason that I typed in a search query, I'm getting what I hope to get and that I can get it there and not elsewhere. Um, I do hope that this is, a, that it won't, that people still realize that there are alternative search engines there because the simple fact that there that uh, that Bing uses a different uh, algorithm, uh, that there are competing like image search engines, that's really really important to see. It, it will it will if it churns the web a little bit and different parts of that stew bubble up to the top to your notice. That's really really important. Um, there is a uh, oh I wonder if I still have the windows open here in front of me, uh, but uh, you'll probably be familiar with the name Colleen Duran if you are a fan of the Sandman comics. She's a fantasy illustrator that also has done a lot of work with Neil Gaiman. And on her Patreon, she mentioned a brand new, are we still calling things Web 3.0? Well, it's a Web 3.0 startup search engine called Humble, H-U-M-B-L. Again, very, very like early 2000s naming, but okay. Very, very welcome to 2012. Obama's still president. (laughs) 
you, however you may, however positively or negative you may may think about that. Um, definitely want want to buy property now before things go even tanker. But but I digress. Uh, the simple fact that they're using something other than the Google image search uh, algorithm. So I, I often will do a Google search for a certain artist uh, that was active in Paris in the early 1890s. And I will, every time I do it, I will see the exact same results over and over again. But because Humble and all their other alternatives aren't using the exact same Google search engine, something that might have been, might have appeared on like page 58 of Google search is now on page one of Humble. And so I'm seeing stuff that I wouldn't see before. So the fact that these alternative search engines churn up different things, they may not necessarily be better search engines, but the fact that they are uh, the 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 ants are not necessarily going for the main sugar pile. They're finding they're going to the other side first. That in itself can be super 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 helpful in and of itself. But we're going to take another break and then we're going to start talking about the Pixel Fold. Hang in there. I'm nice and cool again. Sorry about the air conditioning noise. I thought it was worthwhile to take a look at some of the reviews of the new Pixel Fold. Embargoes lifted, and plus, people who pre-ordered are starting to get theirs. And uh, not a whole lot of stuff that we didn't really expect. Uh, Google does have a problem with uh, version one <laughs> of pretty much anything that they build, and uh, the Pixel Fold is no exception. Unfortunately, they're going through the same sort of growing pains as the uh, as the Samsung Z Fold. Only, of course, the Z Fold is on their fourth generation. They've put three new iterations. <laughs> of the hardware between their first version and their fourth version. And the Pixel Fold is on their first generation and they both cost the exact same money. Uh, and as you might expect, I'm talking about scratches and dings and damage to the screen that, that, that folds. Uh, as a matter of fact, Ars Technica's reviewer didn't even get uh, most, didn't even get, I think, half of the way through the work that they were doing and testing it out before uh, they their screen just broke. If you, uh, they have a, a picture of what happened to the screen. It's like, this kind of beautiful sort of like bleach <laughs> white effect, uh, like snow-capped mountains starting at the bottom of the screen, washing its way up. Uh, and uh, the others are also noticing how easy it is to scratch uh, to scratch these screens. So yeah, when you spend eighteen hundred dollars, and in the, in the next in the first two or three days, it's, it gets it get it has its first uh, ding. Even if it even if that ding doesn't uh, cause the thing to really stop working. That kind of leaves you minus, doesn't it? And with Ars Technica's situation, yeah, that would make me feel pretty badly honked off. Yes, it's a yes, it's a warranty replacement, but that's going to make you feel as though, oh man, what what happens when it's out of warranty? How is this thing even going to last to get out of warranty? Uh, worse, uh, they did a little bit of investigation and they su suspected that this wasn't like, oh, they had some bad luck. There is the interface between the glass of the screen, the frame and the background is such that they just got a little piece of dust or a little piece of grit uh, between that glass and the background because it's, it's exposed. And that basically was the, the thin end of the wedge that caused the, caused the screen to fail that way. Oy. Um, they, they are saying that the form factor is very nice. It's very lovely construction. Okay, good. So they were, they're onto something here. They can hopefully, <laughs> hopefully they can, uh, get information about why these screens are failing and dinging and make that better for version two, or even in a new production run of, of the devices, who knows? Uh, but if you, if you've made a bad decision, if you decided to make this, make the device banana shaped, and it turns out that no one wants a banana shaped phone, uh, unless they're actually 
pretending that a banana is a phone, in which case the banana shape is actually key to the whole comedic bit. I think you will, I think you will agree. Uh, yeah, it's the form factor is very nice, very nice shape. Again, I, I like the, the the Z fold. It's just it just feels like an awkward shape as a phone. Uh, but they 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 like how it hold, how it holds in the hand. There is a little bit of dis- difference of opinion. Something I actually didn't even notice uh, that uh, until I started reading these these reviews. That if you're familiar with, familiar with the Z Fold, it is like tall and skinny when it's folded, and so when you open it up, it naturally forms sort of a portrait uh, portrait orientated uh, dis- uh, tablet. Whereas the Pixel Fold is like a uh, is is like a a passport. So when you open it up, it naturally configures itself into a landscape formatted device. And a lot of the people who are who have ex- used both, and uh, one of the nice things about these reviewers is that almost all of them have had lots of experience with the Samsung Z Fold, not just as reviewers, but as people who daily drive these things. And uh, they, a lot of people are saying that the way that you hold a tablet in your hand, the portrait orientation is kind of more natural. They found themselves actually t- turning uh, the Pixel Fold more often than they would like to. Uh, which actually takes us into another uh, other basic problem, which is familiar from our discussions about the Pixel tablet, which is that there are way, way, way too few Android apps that properly reconfigure themselves when they find themselves not on a phone screen, but on a tablet screen. Uh, so uh, people were saying what a bummer it was to have like just a regular, instead of having a, a, a uh, an app that behaves like these revamped Google apps do, turning themselves into a proper uh, tablet uh, tablet style app, it just becomes the, the, the regular phone view, but with big black bars to the left and to the right of it, uh, or the or the contents just get all stretched out of proportion and just looks looks terrible. Um, I also hadn't noticed that until it was pointed out to me that even the Fitbit app and Fitbit is a company that is owned by Google <laughs> it, the, that the Fitbit app is not optimized for tablet. What the hell? There are a lot of people are also saying that the battery life is kind of weird, that it's not predictable in uh, it doesn't drain in a, in a linear fashion. Also that there seems to be some sort of a ghost drain that the, a lot of them were, 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 uh, were, were spotting uh, that again, would not make you happy if you just bought if you just spent eighteen hundred dollars on this brand new device. So, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it's not as though I was <laughs> I was ever in the running for spending eighteen hundred dollars on any phone. But if I were to be, like I said, like I said uh, earlier, if these went on sale on Black Friday, this is one of those things where if it went for. I don't know if if they just realize that okay, well, you know what, we're going to call this a wash. We know the we're going to go with the Pixel Fold two as our first real thing of fixes. Let's see how many of these we can get rid of for eight hundred dollars. That would get my attention pretty damn quick. But it, but overall, it's the thing is these problems with uh with a uh, with a screen they are solvable. Samsung did solve them. Remember that it was. Uh, close to a debacle, the first units that they shipped. But now people, who, there are people who are daily driving these things because they are that reliable. Uh, however, boy, if uh, the, the 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 all of the other reason why the, uh, uh, the the Z Fold is so successful with the people who love them is that Samsung has put in a lot of sweat equity to make sure that uh, they have a good Android tablet experience with these things, and a lot of them is through intervening on their own to create ways for even misbehaving apps to display very well and make good use of that uh, that screen real estate. You certainly didn't spend $1,800 to see black bars to the left and the right of the screen. Am I right? So let's talk about VidCon. Uh, and uh, 
here's here's what was really weird to me. Uh, I had I, I I told you guys last week that I was going to be talking about this because I knew that it's sponsored by YouTube. It's not a YouTube conference. Um, it's a it's an annual conference. It takes place in Anaheim. It got its start sort of as a fan conference, so that uh, about. 2015, 2014, I want to say, uh, so that fans of your fans of uh, can go and meet their favorite YouTube creators and be just like it would be like a fan event, like you know, meeting uh, uh, meeting William William Shatner, a thing that I have done by the way, very nice guy, and if he's wearing a toupee, really really hard to notice. I I I I'm willing to believe that that could be really really good hair plugs, but I digress. Uh, uh, it's it become a lot more professional now, but the fact that it's uh, the uh, YouTube uh, uh, YouTube senior management, the senior executives are t- delivering the keynote. I would thought that okay, so I can watch the keynote like on, on YouTube. But God, you do a search for VidCon 2023, all you see are like all, all I see is like user created content. I don't know why that happened. There is a front page that you can access. Uh, for VidCon, that also shows, oh, here's where the keynote's going to be, and here's where some roundtables and discussion tracks are going to be. This thing should be all over YouTube, but it's so hard to find. So I don't really have a whole lot to say about whatever breathtaking announcements were made uh, by by YouTube when they had that audience of creators in front of them. Uh, but most of the coverage that I read about it was also, was illuminating enough. It was it was it was pretty interesting. Uh, most of uh, I think the the best one was from. I think I'm going to scroll down like CNBC. Um, again, I'm not, this isn't part of my culture. I usually only hear about uh, 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 when I'm off the clock, I only hear about it when like things like Tana. I know I, I remember I heard that there's this thing called TanaCon, where a creator by the name of Tana was upset that she wasn't given like the gold badge or whatever. And she decided to try to create her own competing <laughs> VidCon on like a month's notice, and it was a Spinal Tap scale Old Testament disaster that caused a lot of people to create videos making fun of Tana and the TanaCon and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but the covers that I've been seeing on CNBC and elsewhere has been mentioning that it's not really about that anymore. And it had some uh, overall, uh, it gave me a, a better picture of kind of the environment and the community of YouTube. Now I should mention of course that it's been a long time since YouTube was the only game in town for for video. So uh, VidCon is also Instagram. It's also uh it, it's it's uh, it's it's uh, also Twitch. It's also every other streaming service. Um however, it's certainly left its origins behind. It's no longer hey, wow, well, I get to I get to be in the same room as five other fans of this person who uh uh, who YouTube's uh, most of the content was how to get going on YouTube, how to uh, create on YouTube. And this was something that I was kind of aware of, but not really aware to this extent until I read lots of different rundowns about this and saw lots of individual creators that were talking about this, that um, the way that, uh, that millennials, not millennials so much as generation Z, Interact with YouTube is very, very telling. Uh, YouTube themselves issued a uh, what they call the Culture and Trends Report of 2023, and much of it is, of course, has to be self-promotion. 
and saying that, oh, look, here are all the trends that we've been spotting and lots, we did lots of ex extended research and expensive research and comprehensive research. And gosh, it shows that we, we're creating the tools on YouTube that, that allow people to have the best success, uh, whatever they want to do in streaming. Um, but what they're talking about is that whereas I'm very, very happy to once or twice during the day, during a break, like pick up the remote and watch uh, YouTube videos that I'm going to enjoy. Like I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch somebody uh, <laughs> part uh, part 18 now of built, buying an old church organ and moving it to their museum and uh, fixing it up, but also updating it for, for MIDI. Uh, I'm, I'm content to, I'm enthralled with it. I enjoy it. I love it. They're stuff that I watch just for ASM, ASMR, even though I'm not really interested in, in the topic themselves. It's a very, very pleasant thing to just unwind and watch. Uh, the study and all this other stuff talking around it is that the uh, Gen Z and ostensibly the people who are coming up underneath uh, Gen Z, they tend to really, they, they, they don't just watch it. They are also people who want to like pluck and generate new memes based on the content that they saw on YouTube. And they want to create YouTube response videos in response to what they saw uh, on YouTube. And boy, that really opened my eyes. That's uh, obviously growing up as Gen X as nothing but passive entertainment, uh, pretty much. Uh, this is something, it's the idea that this is something that you manipulate, okay, that you participate in the evolution and the life cycle of this thing that you're, that, uh, that you're watching. That is such an interesting twist on that relationship, isn't it? Because not only uh, are you, you're, you're trying to put your own voice out there, not simply by writing a criticism or, or, or review of the show, but simply saying, I'm going to take this one, two, three things and show you how I react to it. Uh, I'm going to, uh, the, the, the original piece is like that, that base level of a pyramid upon which thousands and thousands of fans and viewers can place their own stones. And over time it builds into something that is familiar to the original piece, but something brand new as that, that expands uh, very much on it. And of course, and these people can now monetize uh, these things. That's interesting. It also, uh, it also gave me some insight on why I find <laughs> stick with me here why I find like the Marvel movies and a lot of the big franchise movies. So, so frustrating that, um, to me, the Marvel movies, particularly, uh, they're just strings of, Hey, I recognize that thing from another, that other thing. Hey, here's a reference to this thing that was on the internet five years ago. Oh, wow. When they're, when the Spider-Men are like pointing at each other, that's from this meme that was on Reddit, like a whole bunch, a whole bunch of while ago. And I, believe me however you want to enjoy the thing that you enjoy you don't have to explain or defend it I, i'm pleased for anybody who's enjoying whatever entertainment they're consuming it frustrates me because i want i'm going in there to expecting to see something that's like a conventional movie you know this is why i i, I use the term real is, is this a real movie or is this an event movie when i'm trying to figure out if i want to see something or not uh and I hope that doesn't, that's not intended to denigrate the whole medium, but I think you understand what I mean when I say the difference between a real movie and, uh, and, and, a, and an event. Events are fun. Events are wonderful. You know, that's why there's 4th of July fireworks. It's an event. There's no, no story except for thing gets fired into the air, thing go, thing go, shh, thing go boom, lights dazzling. That's the, that's the entire story. And that's pretty much what the Marvel movies are like. But this really did kind of like put that kind of 
give me a little bit of extra focus that Gen Z has created a brand new way of consuming media, of, of enjoying entertainment. It's not just I'm going to sit there and I'm going to suspend my disbelief and be transported to another place for the running time of this movie. Uh, but I'm going to see a whole bunch of things that connect to other th- other experiences I've had online uh, and other ways I've interacted with other pieces of content. And when I come home, I'm not just going to not just going to blog about, Hey, wow, I saw the Indiana Jones movie it was really awesome, but I'm going to talk about, Hey, I saw this thing or, Hey, this is, Hey, this is, this is my interpretation of what Indiana Jones would be like if, uh, if he were one of the BGs uh, based on one of the scenes from this new movie. That's intriguing, isn't it? Uh, And that's one of the things that has been echoed, not just in that culture and trends report, but also uh, by other observers, the culture and trends report also indicated another thing that was possibly self-serving, but also I think really illustrative, which is that people, um, again, it's just, it's always important to remember that you are not, I am not normal. (laughs) You listen, you listen to 418 episodes of this podcast. You know, you knew that already, but what I'm getting at is that I don't define the standards by which everybody is consuming this piece of YouTube content. And so, uh, there are ways that, that, um, I don't just watch, I just watch this as a 20 minute video and that's it. However, the YouTube audience might be engaging with it. It makes, it makes the case that the YouTube audience and they have statistics and numbers to back this up supposedly that they interact with a content creator through amazing number of different vectors where, uh, there's a long form video and they should, there's a long form video. There is a, 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 like a, a quick TikTok style, like 60 second video. There is a podcast, there is a stream that they might, they might be interacting with and they have different sort of attitudes and different sort of contexts in which they interact with all these kinds of different content. Uh, I'm a little bit familiar with that myself. That's one of the reasons why I got into podcasting in the first place. It's not one of the reasons why I'm excited about every time I'm on television, every time I'm on video, excuse me, I'm on the radio because there are people who my, my natural medium is to write something and publish it and have people read it. But there are people who listen to podcasts and I'm not, I want to get those people too. There are people who listen to terrestrial radio and I want to get those people too. And so what this report is saying is that this is why it behooves a creator to be a lot, be, be not to simply focus on one thing, but try to find a way to express their point of view, even if it's the same topic across many, many, many uh, different kinds of content. So yeah, it's as, as always keeping an open mind is really, really, really important. I'm, I am definitely nearing that age where I start to oh, kiss today with the long hair and the bebop music and the, the flared trousers. Why are they wearing the flared trousers? They don't make any damn sense at all. Yeah, there, it, it does a lot of, a lot of, uh, uh, the entertainment value of a Marvel movie doesn't make sense to me, but that's because I didn't grow up uh, with, I, I didn't form my, uh, uh, my tastes. Like here's what I get out of, here's the, the pleasure and the intellectual engagement I get out of watching something that was the, the internet was not a thing when I was developing that software, when I was that, at that same age. So it's really interesting to see this through other people's, uh, other people's kinds of eyes. Um, a couple of a couple of the quick notes that I that I got from the doc and from other other places that um, there's a transition where <laughs> actually uh, basically the kind of celebrity 
that uh, YouTube creates. This was not from that uh, Google, uh, from that uh, YouTube document. This was from, uh, I think it was from CNBC or maybe the insider uh, made a really good argument that uh, whereas uh, first, the first generation of YouTube stars could have gotten started by saying, I just want to be a celebrity. I want to be famous. I want to, I want to be able to declare a Tonicon <laughs> on the flimsiest of pretexts in three weeks. And now so many people show up to scream my name that I get into serious legal trouble and people have their health compromised by the amount of people that showed up for that. Uh, that kind of day has kind of passed where you do have to be a creator. You do have to be on the move. Uh, and most, and most of the people who are achieving that level of success, we're not going to call it fame, but success on YouTube and other streaming platforms are the ones that really do run this as a, as a content business where they do have a plan as to what they're going to say, how they're going to say it, who they're going to target it to, um, which uh, sponsors they can get that can help them to amplify that message. Uh, and how do they get to the end of the year uh, with, uh, with profits, uh, profits in, in the black. Uh, so, that's really good. We're seeing uh, as the one of the last things as it happens when the, I was reading in bed before I started uh, before I went to the office here to record the show, and apparently uh, Amanda sings, someone sings, uh, Colleen somebody. I can barely. Uh, I bet if I yeah, Colleen Ballinger. Again, I'm not when I when I when I mispronounce her name when I don't know what the name of her channel is. That is not meant as a swing against any creator. It means that, again, I'm Generation X. I'm not. Uh, uh, I'm not the generation that is programmed to that. That I'm not the target audience. So I did not grow up. Uh, Miranda sings. That's the name of it. And she's in hot water because, oh, I don't know. She was having very adult conversations in chat rooms with her fans that were about 10, 11, 12, 13 years old, and <laughs> some people have an issue with that. Go figure. Uh, <laughs> um, that that kind of that that kind of fame is kind of not what people are going for now, and this is this is how it shows. It kind of demonstrates, I think, what a dead end that kind of a, that kind of fame is. I, one of the, one of my earliest surprises when I was learning about YouTube audiences was that uh, how young these audiences are. I mean, logically, you know, that that's going to be the, the case because young people are going to, uh, young people are going to embrace technology first. And also they have smartphones and that's where they're going to consume be consuming this content. But, uh, it makes more sense when you see how, like a, I, again, the, the Paul brothers, Jason, John, not John Paul, no, John Paul's the Pope. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, when see, wow, they're doing, they're one of the most famous people on YouTube and they do this most infantile, stupid, embarrassing, like stuff that like we've seen like a million times and it's just plain stupid. Well, because they're, they're, their audience are not 20 year olds, 30 year olds, four year olds. They are 23 year old people who are trying to entertain 10, 11, 12, 13 year old people. And they are presenting an aspirational, a, a version of adulthood that is aspirational for a 10, 11, 12 year old. Like again, hey, I'm going to fill this this entire uh, this entire bathroom with 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 Orbeez and flush it down the toilet, and then it's going to explode all through the sewage system for the entire neighborhood. Woo! Oh, whoa, oh, oh, whoa! I'm so I'm so I'm so screwed, man. Woo! Whoa! Oh. Uh, <laughs> but that see the thing is the problem is that like the kids grow up and now they have seen this a number of times from a number of creators and they have no use for you anymore. So you've got to kind of grow up with them. Uh, it's another reason why. Uh, you see people who are doing successful channels and successful presentations. They don't, uh, 
the first time that I tried to learn YouTube, not as a business, but just to learn how to make videos and stuff like that, just as an education for myself, I did kind of set this up as, okay, so I have to have a title card and I have to have like little intro music and, uh, well, no, that's, you, you grew up watching TV shows. And so this is the convention of TV that is not applicable to the people who grew up with this. You can just actually just cut to you saying, hi there, today I'm going to talk about this new Nexus orb that I got off of eBay and we're going to see if we can make it work. And you're, and you're off and running. Um, although I was at least younger in, in mind than someone who's like 10 years younger than me. I won't mention his name. He was a disgraced former movie, movie critic or movie commenter. And uh, he did a, a series of YouTube videos for the Nerdist channel. I don't, maybe they premiered on the Nerdist channel, but oh my God, it was just so, even, even though this was like 10, maybe even 15 years ago, it was so wrong even for that time because it was clearly trying to be a syndicated 20 minute uh, movie review show uh, like uh, sneak previews or like Siskel and Ebert when no, you're, you're on YouTube. You don't need this big title sequence. You don't need this big, expensive, fancy set. All you need is a green screen and uh, it was, it was sad. So this is why it's very interesting for someone on the outside like me to see what new creators do and how, oh, what I thought was a rule was actually just a form and forms are written on flash paper. They, they burn up, you move on to the next thing. So I thought really, really, really very interesting. Well, that feels like a pretty good full show to me. Uh, Flo is going to be back with us next month. I'm going to remind you. In the meantime, you can check out what she's up to on her Instagram, where she's oh that flow. You can join her Discord. Uh, you can find that information on flowrights.tech. I am Anatko on Twitter and Instagram. You can also hear me on Boston Public Radio on WGBH News, Boston's NPR station. Go to wgbhnews.org uh, or the WGBH News channel on YouTube. Uh, every once in a while, I'm uh, they 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 record in a TV studio at the Boston Public Library once or twice a week. Occasionally I'm on that show. And so that's when I have to, that's what, that's the reason why I've got like the nine alarms set because not only do I have to like make my, make my morning train to get into the city, but I also have to make sure I shower, make sure that I've got clean everything. Yeah. Uh, and once again, as always, you can help support our show and everything on the Relay.fm network by becoming a member. So head on over to Relay.fm slash material to sign up and gain access to special members-only episodes produced by all of Relay's contributors, including Flo and myself. Uh, this week's show, we're going to talk about uh, trademarks and service marks, believe it or not. So if you're a special, uh, so if you're a member of the show, you get to hear me talk about what the Android means to me and what the Apple means to Apple and what the Apple means to uh, <clears throat> A, a, a Northern European 100-year-old uh, fruit grower. So anyway, thank you all so much for listening to us this time. We hope you've listened to material again next week. Until then, everybody, please have a happy, safe, and healthy seven days. Bye-bye.